Welcome to the ninth episode of the HLI podcast. Today's format is slightly different. It's on a topic that I feel is very important to address, the sufficiency of the U.S. Pharmacy Code of Ethics. Hence, I have a corresponding blog on our website that one can read at their convenience. Hopefully, this podcast will pique your interest enough to do so. Let's get started. decades, graduating from Amadabello University, Nigeria in 1997. Though I started off primarily in academics, the majority of my career has been spent as a community pharmacist in the United States. I have detailed in previous communications how my experiences at different stages of my career influenced my decision to start the Health Law Institute. I was always struck by the lack of consideration for health worker rights as well as health workers' inability to engage the system to effect change. And I have cautioned that solutions that do not address realities of health worker working conditions and resolve these challenges will at best be stopgap solutions without building a sustainable healthcare system. One of the areas we started working on in the early days of HLI, as early as beginning 2019, was the lack of PPE for health workers in infectious disease control, pandemics being at the extreme end of the spectrum. It had already been documented by Médecins Sans Frontières, Doctors Without Borders, during the Ebola crisis, that even when there's sufficient financial resources and logistical information, it's not possible to contain a pandemic without a robust health workforce. And what we have been harping on all the time, how can we have a robust health workforce if we do not protect our health workers or ensure safe and decent work conditions? Therefore, our concern is what is the right of a health worker to remove themselves from a situation they believe presents a risk to their own health or life or that of their family member? In August 2019, we featured a blog by Yasha Mittal titled, Battling Infectious Diseases, Exploring the Use of Personal Protective Equipment on the ethical questions surrounding this issue. Fast forward to the current pandemic. I believe we've seen the lack of access to PPE play out on a global scale, and the importance of the robust health workforce cannot be overemphasized. All patient-facing roles were affected. The disproportionate amount of deaths in health workers has been staggering. What is even more disheartening is that these individuals lacked control over their personal safety. They were thrust into precarious situations without proper protections. I know of nurses, doctors in the U.S. buying supplies of Amazon or repurposing everyday items for work purposes. And I'm sure all of us heard of employers, disciplining employees who shared these details with the general public and many times even preventing them from wearing their own PPE at work. For pharmacists, 
who serve on the front lines, the struggles were real too. In fact, in some countries, the US included, they even had to overcome the hurdle of being acknowledged as frontline workers, which indeed is unfortunate as we know they're one of the most accessible members of the healthcare team. And as community pharmacists make up the larger percentage of those practicing pharmacy, both in the US and globally, about 75%, they most probably have patient-facing roles. And also due to the mixed nature of community pharmacy settings as not exclusively health settings, but having a retail component to it, safety measures and practices that were applied to other health settings were not implemented right away. For example, there were no limits on, you know, on individuals and stores who were not even utilizing pharmacy services. And in many cases, patients were allowed to wait in the waiting area, even when the pharmacy had a drive-through. This coupled with the delayed provision of PPE and the lack of risk communication from in leadership definitely jeopardized pharmacist health and safety. Independent pharmacists seem to have been faster at enforcing safety measures and protecting their employees. However, the majority of our community pharmacists in the U.S. work in chains. Needless to say, a lot of pharmacists feared for their life, though they continued to provide care. This brings us back to my previous question of when can one remove themselves from a situation that presents a risk? Or does being a health worker mean that one has to give up one's instinct of self-preservation? You know, I feel nurses seem to be a forerunner in confronting this very critical dilemma. The interpretive statements that were added to the American Nurses Association Code of Ethics in 2015 put those obligations on an equal footing. So the nurse has the same duty to self as her duty to her patient. Amazing, isn't it? Consequently, not recognizing the concept of duty to self in the Pharmacy Code of Ethics is troubling especially because as health professionals, our code of ethics informs our expectations and also our conduct at work. This may be why pharmacists view their interaction with the health system only as deliverers of service without consideration for the needs or the rights of individual pharmacists. In short, without her own existence, safety or health given any credence. Also that the fact the Code of Ethics, which was last updated in 1994, includes only eight statements, which are couched as principles, seem to lay out responsibilities and hence duties imposed upon the pharmacist does not help. As a matter of fact, we've seen recognition of pharmacists who have died during this pandemic as heroes without questioning if there was a need and a possibility to have you know, prevented this senseless loss of lives. Are pharmacists asking themselves what the duty of self should look like while providing care? Maybe we have not been taught to, but given the realities of our profession today, for one, this pandemic is not a one-off situation. And even pre-pandemic, pharmacists faced work environments that put their health and safety at risk. It is high time that the rights of pharmacists were formally recognized and pharmacists educated on how better to protect themselves.
It is clear that our code of ethics must include the duty to self, or else it will remain an archaic document and would have failed not only those tirelessly serving the community today, but our up-and-coming pharmacists in leaving them a sustainable workplace ingrained in decent and safe workplace practices. And who knows how many lives could have been saved if we already did so. Thank you again for tuning in. I hope this has piqued your curiosity. Maybe time to have a talk with your neighborhood pharmacist, or if you are a pharmacist, reflect upon it and discuss with your colleagues. We'll be taking a summer break and we'll be back with our 10th episode in November. It'll be a Facebook Live format, so, so stay tuned for details. As always, we welcome your suggestions, questions, and comments on our social media pages or email us directly at podcast at healthlawinstitute.org. Music